Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and I'm joining you tonight, as every night, from the sunny climes of western Japan out here in the land of the rising sun. So once again, thank you for tuning in for tonight's broadcast here on Republic Broadcasting, blasting out at KHFX 1140 AM in Dallas-Fort Worth and around the world at RepublicBroadcasting.org. And right off the top here, let me remind everyone that I'm going to be preparing for a little trip that I'm taking in association with the Center for Research on Globalization. That's globalresearch.ca or grtv.ca. And as I'm sure most of you out there know, I do some video reports for GRTV. And I'll be doing a special report that I hope will be launching probably later this month or or at some point in the near future. And uh, in order to prepare for that, I'm going to be going out of town for a week, so I will not be on the broadcast next week, but we do have guest hosts lined up for you all next week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, tomorrow night is the Friday night edition, the uh, Friday night highlights edition of this broadcast, but I will be, uh, it will be a rebroadcast as I won't be doing it uh, live tomorrow night. So once again, thank you for tuning in for tonight's broadcast, and since it is Thursday, we will have James Evan Pilato of foodworldorder.com coming up in the latter half of the broadcast, so stay tuned for that. And all throughout the broadcast, we'll have wide-open phones, so if you want to get in with anything that may be on your mind, uh, please do so. It's 1-800-313-9443. We can get you on the air. But uh, tonight we have, of course, a lot of things to go through. There's things going on all around the world and all sorts of ominous news coming out from all of the uh, the usual quarters. So whether that be things uh, geopolitical and military, like this latest report from StratRisks.com, Taliban will rule Afghanistan again, says leaked U.S. military report all part of the propaganda psyop, or whether it's the ongoing economic collapse. We have uh, this report from BlacklistedNews.com, $5 trillion and change, which uh, goes on to note Obama's four years have been the highest, the four highest deficits since 1946. Uh, we have uh, this report from Zero Hedge. Z- Europe's great deleveraging has only just begun. Uh, another ominous article about the European collapse and one that's elucidated in great detail at a gr- very good article that I suggest you read called Election Date Slides Greece on the Brink of Emergency Rule. And that's at endthelie.com right now, posted on the 1st of February 2012. So as I say, no shortage of things going on around the world, uh, as always, that that seem to indicate that we are on the brink or going over the brink of collapse in so many different ways. But tonight I'd like to focus on the idea of societal moral collapse and the uh, the idea that we are being engineered into a morally degenerate and uh, degradated society and I want to pick up from that article that we were touching on on last night's broadcast, Are We Ready for a Morality Pill?, which sources to the New York Times, but which we're getting from stratrisks.com, talking about the ways that uh, the neuro, neurochemical advances and, and biochemical research have advanced to the point where it's feasible that one day in the not-too-distant future, the scientists will be able to develop a pill that will be able to make you a more, quote-unquote, moral person. But what does that mean in an age in which we're living, which is so fundamentally immoral in so many ways, and in which we've been taught to value decadence and material possessions and things of no meaning above all else, above the lives of our own family members, above everything in this world? 
well, it can only be a, a, a slippery slope from here. So that's the slippery slope I want to start exploring tonight, and I have some articles uh, to help me do that. Do that. And as I say, we'll be taking your calls tonight as well. So once again, 1-800-313-9443 will get you on the air. But right now, we'll take a short break, and after this break, we'll be right back with more Corbett Report Radio here on RVN. I'll stand tall like old glory, faithful to the republic. Security will prevail, as sure as I'm the president. President Jimmy Carter. Friends, we're back on Corbett Report Radio tonight going over the idea of morality and a morality pill because uh, we've heard it said many times that you can't legislate morality, but what if you can prescribe it? What if it comes in a bottle and you can just take one a day and it gives you a perfect morality according to who who gets to set that dial? Well, I think that's really the, the key part of all of this. And it goes to the, the way that our society has been engineered to be what it is right now and to have reached the nadir that it has. So I thought an interesting uh, article for at least spurring this discussion comes from the Wall Street Journal of all places, which had this article on January 28, 2012, What's Wrong with the Teenage Mind? And it starts by saying, what was he thinking? It's the familiar cry of bewildered parents trying to understand why their teenagers act the way they do. How does the boy who could thoughtfully explain the reasons never to drink and drive end up in a drunken crash? Why does the girl who knows all about birth control find herself pregnant by a boy she doesn't even like? What happened to the gifted, imaginative child who excelled through high school, but then dropped out of college, drifted from job to job, and now lives in his parents' basement? Adolescence has always been troubled, but for reasons that are somewhat mysterious, puberty is now kicking in at an earlier and earlier age. A leading theory points to changes in energy balance as children eat more and move less. And we'll leave that there for now, but I think that's an extremely interesting thing to be exploring because these are real neurological, biological changes that are happening in the population as we speak. And I think we can look to many different reasons, including pe- children eating more and moving less, but uh, as well as the all of the chemicals that we know are being inserted into the food supply and into the... Well, everything, everything that we have, everything that we do, the printer uh, ink on receipts even has uh, BPA, which is an endocrine dis- disruptor that mimics estrogen and, and, and absolutely plays havoc with the the, the biology of, of, of especially children, but of course all of us. So we are being manipulated in so many ways right now into a type of organized collapse that it is uh, it's quite disturbing to think about especially when we start pairing that up with the technological nightmare future of morality pills and the like. But we already have one caller waiting on the line, so let's not leave him hanging for too long. We have James in Los Angeles. So, James, thanks for joining us tonight. Hello. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. Uh, Just a couple broad uh, points I want to make. When you're talking to friends and associates and trying to wake them up, very easy to become frustrated and irritated because they're they're under that that spell, and it's it's you must be patient and take 
things very slowly with them. It's a long process to become awake. In my case, it took me at least a couple of years. And this is going back maybe 15, 20 years. I was a full-blown Kool-Aid drinker, and somebody took me under their wing and just gradually fed me information and just kept reemphasizing uh, his points through examples of what was going on in the culture, what was going on in politics and so forth. And eventually I started to connect the dots and then reading on my own and blossomed and became awake. So that's my first point is be very patient. Um, we all have uh, a duty to wake up the people who are surrounding us. Uh, otherwise, what's the point? You know, There's no point in just preaching to the choir. The second point I want to make is you had a very interesting caller a few nights ago. My uh, last name was Cohen, a filmmaker, and he's making a, uh, a new documentary on 9-11. And he kept reemphasizing uh, the point that uh, communication is best done by keeping the language very simple and straightforward and stay away from all the highbrow stuff. And uh, that's something that I've uh, uh constantly mentioned to people, and I, I have a blog, and I write articles, and I try, I, I have a 12-year-old daughter, and my test is if my 12-year-old daughter can understand it, then um, I publish it. If she can't understand it, then I have to simplify it, because I'm trying to reach people, the broadest audience possible. So it's not, it's not uh, you know, so dumbed down to where it appears, you know, sort of like childlike English. It's just very simple and straightforward and right to the point. So those are my two points. Well, I, I certainly wholeheartedly completely agree with your first point. I think it is, an, it can be an extremely long process for some people to, to wake up, and I don't think we, it serves anyone's interest to get frustrated or angry at them when, when people don't uh, respond to this type of information right away. And uh, that's why I, I think it's probably more effective in the long run to, to just uh, calmly present facts rather than, than to uh, scream around with a bullhorn like the, the sky is falling, although that has its place as well. But, but on the second point of the communication, I certainly understand the point about keeping it uh, simple and straightforward. But I, myself, obviously, I, I have quite a flowery uh, rhetoric at times and, and quote, use quite verbose language, so um, I, I may not be the best example of that. I think... It, Communication is important, but it depends who we're communicating to as well and in what situation. So I think certainly when we're doing the, the broad-based approach, keeping it simple and straightforward is generally best. But there might be times when we need to co uh, communicate something that might be better served in, in more uh, fine-tuned language, let's say. Well, I agree. And, and, and I cite you and the man who precedes you, um, uh, Rick Adams, as two examples of people who communicate extremely effectively. You, you both speak in a crystal clear manner. Uh, your English is impeccable, and it, hence it's very easy to understand what you're trying to communicate, points you're trying to get across. So, um, I, you know... Well, I hope that is true. I, I hope that is true, and I, certainly that's what I'm attempting to do. But again, I also don't want to make it a, a thing where people are afraid to speak out because they might not say it in the right way or it might come out wrong. At some point, I think we just have to speak from the heart and trust that uh, that the mind will follow in some in some respects. Yes. 
Okay, well, you have a great show, and um, I uh, started listening to you after Rick Adams, because I've been a long-time Rick Adams listener, and uh, now I have nothing to do at night. <laughs> well, I hope I can provide an hour's worth of distraction at any rate. But, James, thank yeah. you so much for the call. Okay. It's good to hear from you. All right, let's move right along. We have some more callers on the line, and we have one from South Korea over here near Japan. So let's go to South Korea, Korea and talk to Jin. Jin, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, thank you for uh, taking my call. Um, actually, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm calling from uh, Seoul, South Korea. Not so, not so far away from you, I guess. Not so far. So what's on your mind yeah. tonight? Oh, um... This afternoon, I should say. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Recently, uh, uh, something, um, I experienced something, uh, weird, actually. I mean, um, you know, um, Chinese New Year's Day? Uh, like right, that was summer, last week, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yeah, last week. Yeah, something like that. I mean, yes, I was, I was on my way to my, my mom's place. Long, you know, weekend, and um, I just you know, my family doesn't really celebrate the kind of thing, but I, you know, anyways, I just wanted to visit my mom, and um, me and my sister, we were on our, uh, we were uh, driving to my mom, my mom's, and, and we, were, we were at the, the uh, high, highway toll gate, and there was this uh, uh, college kids, like uh, you know, um, giving out uh, some kind of fly. And uh, we took one, and and it was uh, it was basically um, issued by the South Korean government, and it was basically like a, a it was um, it was basically you know like a have a have a good you know have happy holiday and things like that. And it, um, I so um, it was and um, there was like a. Uh, like a, it was about like government, some kind of government propaganda or something like that. It was just, this in, it, cause, uh, I think, I believe like next week there will be a nuclear security council in Seoul. Really? Oh, I haven't I heard, heard about that. that. Yeah, and, uh, so like Obama is, is coming to Seoul and, and like other, uh, world leaders are coming here as well. And basically it's about like a, uh, uh, preventing uh, nuclear terrorist, terrorism, and basically, uh, it was. So I started reading the, the fly, and and it was just you know nine one one nine one one. We can you know <laughs> stop terrorists from you know plotting uh, another nine one one stuff. So it's very important. Interesting, very interesting. Well, thank you for bringing my attention to that. So I've just used the uh, the the NSA spy engine, Google itself, to to find a few articles. So there's uh there's this one raising awareness about the 2012 Seoul Nuclear Security Summit, and it says today nuclear terrorism poses a major threat to international security, and the heads of 50 states around the world are preparing for the second meeting to discuss nuclear security. But for most people, the nu- nuclear security summit is an unfamiliar and difficult idea. So, yes, absolutely, there's a big PR propaganda campaign rolling out right now to prepare the public for nuclear terrorism. And we've seen this developing for years now with uh, with all sorts of people coming out and saying that, uh, oh, when America gets nuked, we'll have to respond right away and, and all of that type of rhetoric. And uh, and here it is. We're getting uh, getting prepared for it with a big nuclear summit to, to put it in front of people's faces once again. So thank you for that intelligence. That's That's really interesting. 
Yeah, uh, it was was really frightening. Is that um, it's like a you know I mean like people of the world are suffering from you know like a, a globalization, and I think now it's like it's like a political you know globalization. You know, like I mean like a neocon agenda like coming to like like Seoul and other like Asian cities. I agree. I think it is a worldwide phenomenon right now, and, uh, and that's why it's good to have listeners all around the world, including in South Korea, with intelligence like that about the nuclear summit. So thanks for that, and uh, let's take a short break, and we'll be right back here on Corporate Report Radio. James Corbett of CorbettReport.com here on Corbett Report Radio going over some of the latest news and headlines about the ongoing societal collapse in preparation for James Evan Pilato of Food World Order, who will be joining us in the next segment. But before we get to all of that, first we have uh, another caller on the line. We have Arthur in Georgia. So, Arthur, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, how are you doing tonight? Um, Not too bad. I, I love that one caller there was talking about the way he brings people in by, you know, using... You know, this 12-year-old child can understand it. I remember and it was, this was a hard thing for me to learn because I'm used to just being able to come right out and just tell people straight up what I want to say, but I found myself around people that just don't seem to be able to carry on a, a straight-out conversation like that. And so what I had to do was my children are homeschooled. And I always tried to tell people that, it, you know, if you've got an, a real true sixth what would be the equivalent of a, a real sixth-grade education, you can read the Constitution. And so what I've done was I went back and I started putting into basically putting things up to people like I did with my child when I was raising my child. And uh, I was telling them, you know, the first thing you got to understand is you got to understand what an education was. And what I do is I start referring them to books like Black's Law Dictionary, uh, Blackstone's Commentary, things like this, and then I give them a, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and the Bill of Rights, and I tell them, now you sit down and you study this. And it's amazing when they come back to you how easy it is for them to understand what you're telling them. Agreed completely, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's very much a question of how you frame things and how you put it to people. And uh, sometimes we, we do make mistakes with the way that we approach this information, and that uh, that can unfortunately put people off. So so I agree. I think, I think we have to keep in mind who the audience is and the context, which is always important. So what works for one group of people just isn't going to work for another group. Yeah, well, I just figured, you know, I, I would throw that out there for people because I'm in, I'll tell you what, I know y'all have, you know, a lot of y'all have probably already heard me calling in before, and sometimes I get a little excitable, a little bit passionate, and I gotta <laughs> really watch that. Passion, though. Nothing wrong with passion. But I gotta really watch that, because sometimes you don't realize, and I don't catch myself sometimes, it actually turns people off. And for me, I get real passionate about these things, and sometimes it's real hard for me to catch myself. 
Well, I understand, and I, 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 I do agree that we, we have to be careful, but, but to a certain extent, I think each of us just has to do what comes to us naturally, and that will appeal to different people in different ways. And if someone is going to be turned off from information that could potentially save their life and their families and the future of humanity because it wasn't presented to them in an appropriate manner, then, then that's their problem, I think, uh, ultimately. But, uh, but I'm interested about homeschooling and, and what made you finally decide to make that decision. Lord have mercy. Well, I guess it hit me back about uh, mid-80s, I guess. I was hitchhiking around the country, fresh out of prison. You know, wouldn't nobody give me a job, so I was kind of bumming around. And uh, I had uh, a fella in uh, federal law enforcement pick me up and started telling me some stuff. He was leaving. He was resigning his commission, and he was telling me some things that was going on. It kind of woke me up. And then I ended up hanging out with a bunch of hippies. And they were all homeschooling their children, and I thought, well, why am I putting my children in the public school? Because I saw my child in their education, I saw their children in their education, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so my children were homeschooled from that point on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right. Well, I, I think you made the right decision. Um, I think that the government indoctrination camps are not the way to go in this day and age, and unfortunately not everyone's in a position to do that, but, but if they are, I really hope that they will consider doing that. And, and I mean, it, there's just nothing more important than the education of the youth, as I know as a former teacher. Right. Well, see, for me it was, it was pretty much the same thing because basically that's how it was presented to me like I was a six-year-old child. And I tell you, that's a humbling experience when you realize Damn, I really am a functional illiterate. Absolutely. Well, uh, it, it is interesting, and it's exactly in line with that article I was reading from earlier about the uh, teenagers who are really just adolescents who, who are yet to become adults. And this article goes on to make the point that uh, it takes children longer and longer to become adults in our society, and that's really something that's woven into the fabric of our society where we keep t telling children basically that they're not adults they're just adolescents they're teenagers they're whatever they are but they're not responsible adults until they reach a certain magic age and then they're just suddenly supposed to cope but right. uh, society after society throughout history as you know has just has never worked in that fa fashion it's always been re accepting responsibility at a relatively young age compared to what we do today so i think uh, we've been engineered to this point of just to almost total collapse right now right and of course you know uh What's her name, uh, Miss? Uh, uh, I, I have a speech impediment, so it's hard for me to say her name, Miss Atherley or something like, like that. She got that book, The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. Yes, yes. No, Absolutely fantastic. Hey, anyway, I'm sure you got other yeah. callers, so I'm going to back on out of here. All right. Well, thank you so much for that call, uh, Arthur. It was great to have you, so call back any time. Um, yes, absolutely. Deliberate Dumbing Down of America by a woman whose name escapes my mind at the moment. Unbelievable. I know the name, but since it's uh, it's lost off the tip of my tongue, I will not be able to get it to you until after the break. But uh, <laughs> that's just the way it goes sometimes. At any rate, why don't we take a little break? And when we come back, we will be talking to James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com. listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth.
Okay, friends, we're back here on Corporate Report Radio, and we have been going over some headlines and taking some calls, but now we are joined on the line, as is our want, every Thursday evening by James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com and many other websites. As 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 we've gone over many times, I, I always feel like I should get people to get a pen and paper when I'm introducing James just so they can write down all the websites, but uh, I suppose if I wanted to do it real fast, it would be FoodWorldOrder.com, MediaMonarchy.com, CyberspaceWar.com, HolyHexes.com, and NewWorldNextWeek.com. Did I miss any? Is that okay? Dot com. <laughs> oh, James. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. No, thank you. And I know we've both probably referenced before in the past, uh, and it was, I think, you know, the Alex Jones gang would say, any anytime we get hacked, we'll start a new website. I don't even wait to get hacked. If the <laughs> just right, the I'll, I'll start a new one. Um, I, uh, a couple things I just wanted to kind of comment on, because I'm always kind of tuning in, you know, in the first half of your episode in case, you know, there are pertinent things. And you're lucky. I am a communications major. I do have a degree says the grocery boy who does the indie podcast. But <laughs> you uh, you were talking about the, you, I believe the sentence was, you said preparing for societal collapse and the arrival of James Evan Pilato, I thought was a, <laughs> I heard that, I was like, what? what? Um, but there is a story, you were talking about teens and, and morality and, and moral collapse and morality pills. And in always such the timely fashion, and you know they were working on it before because of just the production value. But, of course, The Onion, just two days ago, put up a, a whole video, brain-dead teen only capable of rolling eyes and texting to be euthanized. Her parents basically say, you know, <laughs> all she does is lay there and moan and have her, you know, slave device in front of her and never does anything. So, uh, you know, as always, The Onion does the satire. From the department so. of the too, too true to be funny. Exactly. Yeah. I think another thing that uh, kind of enters into this in a way and maybe sets the stage for our coverage on Food World Order, because as we kind of say that, you know, it's it's food, it's it's health, it's environment, and all those kind of related issues. The issue that has blown up here in the States over the last day or so, and James, I don't think we mentioned it on New World Next Week, is the whole hubbub surrounding the Komen Foundation, the Susan G. Komen Anti-Cancer Foundation, and Planned Parenthood. Have you seen the story bubbling up, James? I have indeed. I haven't read much past the headlines, but uh, why don't you fill folks in? I got a lot of it actually, in, like I say so many times on these segments, issues like this, I, I get it from my girlfriend as she's kind of watching this online and for the longest time has looked at, you know, the, the pink washing is essentially what it's called. And I'm going to discuss a little bit on my show tomorrow there is a documentary that was just at Sundance. It's coming to the Portland International Film Festival soon and is all around. It's called Pink Ribbons, Inc., and it basically gets into the cancer industry and the sort of run from the cure and all these corporations that put their branding and essentially hardly ever actually donate anything to the cause, but we can put a ribbon on and we feel good about ourselves and we can pat ourselves on the back, but ultimately nothing's happening. Exactly. Out, yeah, let's out. create a community of... of of people with cancer and make that into the, the point of it instead of actually looking at the underlying causes. And in a way, it maybe even starts to turn women against women. And, of course, it's all about divide and conquer. So one hour ago posted the New York Times, outcry grows fiercer after funding cut by cancer group. This, it's reached the point, James, where this is that kind of story where I stepped outside a little bit ago and there was a couple walking male, female, 
and they were both kind of chatting, and I heard him say something about, you know, pink gloves, and they were talking about this story. This is pretty much the story that has everybody talking, and it's, again, that kind of wedge issue for election season that brings up, you know, the whole, it's Cracker Barrel versus Whole Foods. Pink gloves. Could have just been talking about a swank Saturday night. Exactly. <laughs> so, so many things, and, and again, James, you, you know, I, I like to see kind of the the big picture and perhaps make connections in a way where they may not be there in the physical world, but just looking at the themes and memes in the world. So you know what this Sunday is here in the States. I always call it Black Sunday, but it's the uh, Super Bowl. Oh, it's yay. Favorite bread and circus event here in the Western world, and it doesn't really get any bigger, I think, than the Super Bowl. And it's going to go down in Indianapolis. And in addition to everything's for sale, you know, everything has a price tag on it. They're running, and I, I watched the whole thing. They released it. A commercial with Ferris Bueller. It brings back Matthew Broderick as Ferris Bueller to sell a, a car, a Mazda or, or something or other. But he basically is, you know, is his current age is a you know, middle-aged guy who fakes sick for work and then runs around the city in his car and it's got all the Ferris Bueller references. And it's just that thing of like, you know, all your, all your memories and all those things from the past, even if it is, you know, a, a big Hollywood movie. All those things are all for sale, and they'll all be kind of pillaged and cannibalized and, and sold back to you later. But I, I'm ranting. The other thing I find interesting is this Egyptian football riot event that's got, you know, I think 74 dead at, at present count and hundreds other, you know, missing or wounded, rather. I find that an interesting kind of precursor to the Super Bowl coming up here in the States. As again, we see this, I think, specter swirling around as, you know, the controlled demolition of the economy and it will be you know pitting people against each other good point and there are definitely some political motivations to what was going on in egypt i think and uh, there's been some speculation that that was uh, actually set up by the security forces too because a lot of the soccer fans were some of the key people in the protests earlier against uh, Mubarak. so there's some mm-hmm. bad blood there and all of that drama but anyway yeah let's get back to the american super bowl drama and it's <laughs> coming up this sunday well, I, I, I thought it was quite important, and I got this actually from ESPN, which, of course, isn't a news source I'm going to cite very often. But they have a, a blog on there called Outside the Lines, and there's one called The File, and they kind of get into you know the behind-the-scenes business and maneuverings in the sports world. Records show critical violations at Super Bowl stadium venues. That's Super Bowl is my wording. What could ruin a fan's once-in-a-lifetime trip to the Super Bowl more than his team's quarterback fumbling away the game in the final seconds? Try a trip to the emergency room courtesy of food poisoning. In just a few days, tens of thousands of fans will converge on Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis for the Super Bowl. They'll be eager to cheer for their teams and as part of their celebrations. They'll likely fork out a small fortune for all kinds of stadium food, from pork to pizza to pot roast sandwiches. And like eating out anywhere, fans will do so on a leap of faith that the food being served will be bacteria and pest free. The file blog from ESPN recently acquired 2011 Marion County Health Department inspection records for the 181 food and beverage outlets inspected at Lucas Oil Stadium and found that 25 or 14 percent of the locations had critical violations that showed up during routine inspections. A 2010 Outside the Lines piece examined food safety at all professional sports stadiums 
and showed that about 7% of the vendors at Lucas Oil Stadium had racked up critical violations, problems that could lead to illnesses. The nice thing I like is that they provide actually six or seven or so PDFs of all of these records, getting into the even specific, I think, vendors like the ugly monkey. <laughs> so what a, what a shock. I, I can't believe that, you know, the food outside the Lucas Oil Stadium would be suspect. Yeah, who could have who could have thought it? Yeah, again, I suppose from the Department of the Bleeding Obvious, but still, it needs to be said. And uh, and I think once again, this is a this is a perfect example of the congruence of spectacle and corporations and uh, big food and all of this come together to make you sick. And I, I was looking at a story just the other day, and I, I think I have it bookmarked for the for the news purge of the show coming up tomorrow. Big Sis Napolitano, you know, says unprecedented security for the Super Bowl. And I found myself, I was like, is it unprecedented? Really? You know, and looked back, I was like, let's look at the 2011 Super Bowl. And of course, could find results saying, you know, unprecedented security. It's unprecedented since the last time because they're always going to ratchet it up, even though there are no specific credible threats and yada, yada. But the way these kind of events are going to go, I mean, this is going to be worse than trying to get on an airplane. So you're going to be, you know, prodded and poked and groped and all those things. And ultimately, you can't take anything in with you. So you're at the mercy of the gouging. Unfortunately, so what a, what a graphic image, but that's pretty much it, isn't it? At the mercy of the gouging. <laughs> the mercy, yeah, that is kind of a tailgatingly gruesome image. <laughs> you know, I'm not a, I'm, I've never been a, sports fan you know i grew up in a small town in west virginia and you know never liked sports and found that you know it's if i had you know long hair and you know didn't like sports i may as well have worn a tutu or something <laughs> <laughs> well i can relate in some ways i've i've always been into sports actually i always liked sports and i was well i'm not obviously a player myself but i always uh, enjoyed watching and i was always a big hockey fan being a red-blooded canadian but um I've uh, since discovered that I just can't really get motivated or interested in it anymore because uh, it's just so utterly detached from my life and everything that's going on in the world that I, I just don't want to devote any of my time or thought to it. You know, and I can and I can see actually if you were involved in actually you know in the physical act of of playing, that's totally fantastic. It's it's on so you know it's the institutions of things, whether it's institutionalized sports or institutionalized medicine or schooling or banking or religion or any of those things that, that the problems arise. Sucks the life right out of it. Speaking of the UN. The United Nations claims the world lacks enough food and fuel as the population soars. And this is from FirstPost.com. The world is running out of time to make sure there's enough food, water, and energy to meet the needs of a rapidly growing population and to avoid sending up to 3 billion people into poverty, a United Nations report warned on this past Monday, January 30th. As the world's population looks set to grow to nearly 9 billion by 2040 from 7 billion now, and the number of middle-class consumers increases by 3 billion over the next 20 years, the demand for resources will rise exponentially. And fortunately, you can actually get the PDF report, and I provide that link for you. Resilient people, resilient planet, a future worth choosing. James, we've discussed so many, many, many times that if they wanted to feed the world, we could do it. If they wanted to teach the world, we could do it. If we wanted to clothe the world, you know, we could do it and then some. 
but that's not part of the agenda from from what I can gather, is it? Well, guess who has an idea along those lines? The UN? <laughs> well, the UN, but also uh, Bill Gates. Bill Gates, he recently came out with his annual letter to the uh, from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He writes an annual letter about the world's problems and what he's going to do about them. And one of them was uh, was basically about GMO and how uh, it's so great and it'll be the thing that will feed people in the future. He didn't come out and use GMO or biotechnology in the letter itself, but in an interview he gave with the Associated Press about it, he talked about oh, GMOs are, you know, the way to go. And, of course, they have to be regulated on a you know, one-by-one basis, and we have to do studies and things like that. But ultimately, that's what's going to save people from, from starving to death. And I think we just said last week, of course, that, you know, studies have shown that California alone throws, throws, enough of, throws away enough food to fill 30-some staple centers a year. So, again, it's, it's, it's lies. And they want you to believe that the population is exploding, and that's why they can use these sort of Planned Parenthood psyops to get people even more riled up. Where ultimately, James, you, you've done this on, on podcast episodes, discuss the, you know, the population situation. In that it's negative. It's only basically older people are living longer because of medical technology and, and advancements and things. But other countries and people aren't having kids. Demographic winter, and I'm right there in the thick of it here in Japan, where um, it's I can't even I don't even know what the uh, the, the replacement rate is now. Something like 1.2 children per couple. So um, absolutely, it's a it's a dying world in so many respects, and the only thing that's keeping America growing is immigration. Hmm. Well, that <laughs> James, you're good at this. You just set the <laughs> to move into the next the next story. And I think I'll, I'll preface this again by saying, you know, you, you've again done so much work on the anthropogenic global warming fraud. But that's not to say, you know, is the environment being jacked completely? Absolutely. But it's mostly being done by the military and by the multinational corporations who don't care about you and don't care about your family. They care about their IPOs and their bottom lines and, and all of those things. So, of course, yeah, we are doing things to damage the environment, but, you know, is it you and maybe your car or you didn't turn off the lights and those things? They want you to, you know, to, to feel the guilt. But we do see all around, you know, sh- strange weather, isn't it? And that may be, you know, the 50-degree days, you know, we're having this week in Portland or it can be the odd weather events in other places, but how much of that is the sun, James? But drought and cold snap cause food crisis in northern Mexico, a drought that a government official called the most severe Mexico has ever faced, has left two million people without access to water and coupled with a cold snap has devastated cropland in nearly half the country. The government in the past week has authorized $2.63 billion in aid, including potable water, food, and temporary jobs for the most affected areas, rural communities, in 19 of Mexico's 31 states, but officials warned that no serious relief was expected for at least another five months when the rainy season typically begins in earnest. James, I believe I also saw a story about shipping water into a community in Texas, of course, just just across the border. And the the update to this, and you know, I'm not Pollyanna, but I firmly believe there you know a couple quick moves we could actually you know solve a lot of the world's problems but a video update actually i believe it's from the associated press mexico drought so bad even the drug trade 
is affected, which of course <laughs> massive marijuana growth, you know, in Mexico and you know, and even you know, we have to here in the states, we've got to get our hemp oil and things. We've got to get it shipped in from Canada because oh God, we, you know, we can't use that. You can't yet. have that. Absolutely, you can't have that in America. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there you go. So I guess the CIA is going to be missing out a bit of its cut uh, there from the, uh, the the drought. But uh, absolutely. Uh, and again, it, you can almost set your timer by how long it'll take for someone to blame global warming for this and uh, human causes. But uh, but absolutely. Uh, again, this is just a, a terrible situation. And and what I mean, what's the real? What what do we take out of this? What's the real point? Well, obviously, it, it's that. Uh, the government clearly just isn't set up to to face this or to be able to do anything in in the wake of such a large scale catastrophe, which is why I think people have to be relying more on uh, on their communities and people they know than waiting for you know mommy or daddy government to st- step in with some sort of you know potable water and food and whatever they claim to be offering, just like we saw uh, the U.S. government doing so generously in the wake of what Katrina and things like that. Hmm. Hmm. On you know, and on so many levels, it seems like you know the, our three different countries—Canada and the States and Mexico—you know—we are being engineered to ultimately kind of all collapse into one another. I think, unfortunately, so. And uh, what hurts so one of those countries is going to hurt all three if uh, if things continue to proceed and and the uh, lines continue to be blurred. So we'll have to. We'll have to see how this plays out, but at any rate, we're right up against the break, so why don't we take a short break, and hopefully James will grace us with his presence for the final few minutes of, uh, of the broadcast, and we can go over the latest binge and purge on foodworldorder.com. For danger, and his name is James Evan Plato, and he comes to you from FoodWorldOrder.com, where we're going over the latest binge and purge, the roundup of all of the most important news uh, on the food, health, and environment uh, radar in the last uh, few days. And the latest one is the two-two binge and purge, Super Bees, Count Fudgula, and more, which again you can get from the from the front page of FoodWorldOrder.com. So James, lots of stories here, but what one do you want to? I just like that I, I got you to say Count Fudgula. <laughs> I think that's the first time I have ever said that, so congratulations. And, and I'll, I'll save explanation for that for the, for the podcast episode tomorrow. So I'll remind folks, episode 249 goes up tomorrow. But right here and now on the February 2nd Binge and Purge, Monsanto killed the bees to make way for its super bee. This comes from PackAlertPress.com, soon-to-be whistleblower, who worked for Monsanto, will be releasing documents detailing how Monsanto planned to kill off bee colonies in order to introduce a new and improved species of bee that will, of course, only pollinate Monsanto crops. They provide uh, a couple links, businessweek.com, Monsanto buys company researching the death of bees, and some of the other things surrounding this. So we'll have to kind of wait and see. It sounds somewhat speculative to me at this point, James. But but of course, we you know more whistleblowers from the inside would would be great. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, absolutely, you're right. We do have to take this with a pinch of salt until we see what comes out and how it comes out. But um, but if this story does pan out, just that story alone 
out of all of the stories that I have ever covered on CorbettReport.com, that story alone would be enough for me to, to be really concerned about the future of humanity and the world as a whole. And the idea that a corporation could even consider doing something like that in the name of trying to, to for, further their control of the world really shows what kind of just outright, total, gangsterish, thuggish evil that we're dealing with that in, in the, right in the heart of these companies that, that, that really do play with the world like, like it's their little toy. Mm-hmm. Well, let's try and wrap it up on a positive note, James. From Super Bees to Pink Slime. Pink Slime removed from McDonald's hamburgers, but of course other food additives remain. And they cite the 2004 documentary Super Size Me, created and directed by West Virginia native Morgan Spurlock. But they also talk about Jamie Oliver, who also did the first season of Food Revolution in West Virginia. But on Wednesday, McDonald's announced the product was no longer used in their burgers. That would be the pink slime, discarded beef cuts treated with ammonium hydroxide. You can get the link see the report from time. The decision was a result of our efforts to align our global standards for how we source beef around the world. Todd Bacon, Senior Director of Quality Systems for McDonald's, said in a statement, that's all well and good, except that fast food meals are still jam-packed with other strange-sounding food additives. The IB Times has a short list, and it ain't very appetizing, James. Oh, I, I have no doubt about that, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, this might be some sort of, I, I wonder if they think this is going to be some sort of PR win. Oh, we've taken out the pink slime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which then makes you wonder, it's like, oh, well, good God, what else is in there? What was in there, you know, before? I, I, I'd love to think, I, you know, I'm always, especially being on the West Coast now, being away from, you know, my home state of West Virginia. I, you know, I find it really positive that these two things kind of come out of West Virginia and that it could maybe be the kind of catalyst for, for more real change, which, again, James, starts in your own kitchen. Real change starts at home. That's the exact point. All right, James, thank you so much, uh, as always, for this roundup. And for next week, next Thursday, I hope everyone tunes in and treats James real nice as he guest hosts the program. And uh, that's it for me for tonight and actually for this week. Tomorrow night will be a rebroadcast, and next week we'll have some guest hosts. So uh, all things being equal, I'll see you in about a week and a half's time. So take care. <laughs>